Good to see all of you. Woo. All right, y'all ready? We're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. Um, we'll do announcements. We'll do offering right at the very end of service. Um, we'll tie it all together like that and make it smoother. Um, man, the Lord was here. Great job, worship team. Like You just feel wave after wave of his presence. Amen, right? Good job. Thank you, gentlemen and ladies. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <sighs> Last week, we talked about being willing and obedient. How many remember that? What happens if we're willing and obedient? We eat the what? We eat the good of the land. If we're, would you say that out loud? If we're willing and obedient, oh, if we're willing and obedient, we will eat the good of the land. Hey, um, Kyle, I think I'm probably going to come down here. Can we, can we turn these lights like all the way up? I just, I want to make contact. I, I've been, lately I've been like, man, I, I can't stay on this stage. I got to come down there with everybody. Um, but the Lord's doing something and he wants to be our king. You know, we talked about it early, Jesus, the king, King Jesus. And when he commands, it's different than when we have statements from him. And he deserves our obedience, like if Jesus says, hey, do this thing, who are we to question what he tells us to do? We should simply just do what he tells us to do. Amen. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Whatever you say. You're the king. I'm not the king. And I, I'm not weaker for saying yes, sir. I'm actually stronger for saying yes, sir. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than the greatest creative gift I could bring to God. Obedience is the best. First Samuel, Saul's like, hey, we're going we're gonna to take the best instead of doing what God said and killing everything and burning it. We're going to keep the best, and then we're going to make this beautiful gift for God that he didn't ask for. And because of it, he lost his kingdom. Amen. Samuel said to him, obedience is better than sacrifice. We are at a stage in our walk personally, and we're at a stage as a church where the Lord is going to begin to increase the commands that he gives to us. He's going to increase the activity in, in which we hear him and which he commands us in our life. It's going to increase. And the way we increase it even more is to do it when he says it. The way to increase his activity and his voice in our life is when he says something, we just do it. Right in the moment, we don't wait. Radical obedience. Have you ever heard that term before? We used to talk about that a lot 15 years ago. Radical obedience. That means like when the Lord speaks, we just say, yes, sir. That's the being willing part. I have to take care of the willingness before the voice comes. Because I don't have time when God says, speak to the bones and prophesy to them for me to, to take my heart and condition it to a place of willingness. I need to care for my heart before he speaks so that I'm ready. The Bible says to be instant, in season and out of season. I should prepare my heart. At any moment, the Lord could tell me to raise the dead today. At any moment, the Lord could tell me to prophesy over someone's marriage today. I should condition my heart for that moment to come. And guess what happens? If I will condition my heart in willingness, his command will come because he knows I'm willing to obey it. And it will create an activity. You, you want boring Christianity? Yeah. 
You want Christianity that's cute? Or do you want Christianity with the roaring lion coming out of the silence? (laughs) I want the roaring lion. I don't want cute Christianity. I want the raw power of God displayed in my life, in our church, in our families. And the only way that happens is for us to be willing and obedient. Willingness is the conditioning of our heart. There's a scripture, you can open to John chapter 8, and I'm going to talk today. I may make, break this up into two sermons. I'll just get the main idea out right now. But in John chapter 8, verse 44, we'll go backwards here in a minute, but I wanted to set the foundation with this, this statement that I've read before many times, and it hit me last night as I was going to sleep, which is interesting, right? John eight forty four. And Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees and the teachers who were arguing with him about God being his father. And they were saying, well, we have Abraham as our father. And actually, God is our father, too. And he's like, no, you're not. You're not. God isn't your father. <laughs> I, hate to, I hate to inform you of the truth of what's going on right now, but uh, you are of your father, the devil. <laughs> they spend verses bragging well, we're Abraham's descendants, and we're God's children. And he tells him, no, you're of your father, the devil. And you want to do the desires of your father, the devil. All right? He's just getting them. He says, your father was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not even stand in truth. It's interesting he connects truth to murder. Lying to murder. The thief comes to Still, kill, destroy. How? He's a liar. Everyone say the devil is a liar. And the reason he can murder is because he lies. He was a murderer from the beginning. And he does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks, it's a lie. Chris Vallotton used to say, even the Bible is not true in the devil's mouth. Because he's twisting it. He's a liar. He can't even say the truth. He's a liar. And when he speaks, he's a liar because, and here's what hit me, because he speaks from his own resources. Wow, what a weird thing to drop in the middle of this. God reveals to us the source of all lies. It's the belief that I can do anything from myself. What was Satan's big lie that he believed? I will ascend the hill of the Lord. I will be like God. Lie. No one will be like God. Oh, I can. I can make it. No, you can't. I can make this happen. No, we can't. It's a lie. Well, if I work really hard... I can change this thing in my life. No, we can't. It's a lie. The lie comes from when I believe that I can do anything from my own resources. I'll break this habit. No, we won't. It doesn't come from inside of us. It can only come through Jesus. And the reason that Satan was a liar was because he thought he had, he had things that originated from him. But everything originates from God. He is the source of all life. There is no life in me that he didn't give me. 
There is no goodness in me. There is no good decisions. There is no will uh, power. There is no self-control. There is no talent, ability. There is no hard work. There's nothing I can create from within myself that comes from me. And the moment I believe that I have it, I believed a lie as my father, the liar, the devil. Like, wow, that's a really strong word. Yeah, it is. But the good news comes before this verse. Let's go down to verse 31, back to verse 31. And Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, what was the key? They believed in him. They stopped believing the lie, and they believed the truth. Who is the truth? Jesus. They did not believe he was the Messiah, They did not believe he was who he says he was, but then something happened and they chose to believe him. The moment they chose to believe him, they stepped into the light of truth. And so Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my words, you are my disciples and you shall know the, let's say it, and you shall know the truth and the truth will what? Set you free. It will make you at liberty. Now listen to this. It goes on down, verse 36 says, Therefore, if the Son, S-O-N, capital Son, sets you free, you shall be free indeed. If the Son liberates you, you shall be liberated. If you liberate yourself, you shall be in captivity. I looked up that word freedom because we think we know what words mean, right? Oh, free. I know what that means. Free. Like not in jail, free will, free to do whatever I want, not encumbered by things of this world, like free, light, you know, whatever it is. And yeah, all that stuff is part of what free means, but that word there literally means liberty. It's not just freedom, it's liberty. And it means to make free, to release from captivity, things we would think, But then the critical part of what that word means is this, to set free from mortal liability. I was like, what is that? What does that mean? What is it, mortal liability? Well, the word liability there means the state of being responsible for something. Especially the law. A person or a thing whose presence or behavior causes embarrassment, shame, or even puts us at a disadvantage. So Jesus said, if, if the Son makes you free, you will be in liberty. You will no longer be bound by mortal liabilities. You are no longer in a state of being responsible for yourself. And what I mean by that is we are no longer in a place where I'm responsible for what I see in my life. I'm responsible for the care of my family. I'm responsible for the, the advancement of my career. I'm responsible for this and that. You're like, well, we believe in personal responsibility. Yeah, but anything that starts in me is a lie. I can only live as Christ lives in me. I can only be responsible as Jesus shows me how to live responsibly. 
And what Jesus is telling us here is that if you really want to be free, I'll make you free, but not the word free that you think it means. I will release you from the responsibility of caring for yourself. And I will care for you. I will provide for you. I will be your father. This law that you used to be responsible for living up to, I remove that responsibility from you and I place it on my son. And my son will set you free from the responsibility to live up to this unrealistic law. But Jesus will do it for you. And because we can't live up to the unrealistic expectations of this law, shame and embarrassment and disadvantage comes to our life. Because the Bible says, if you don't keep all of the law, then you've broken all of the law. If you don't keep one commandment, you've broken it all. That's a disadvantage. Look, think about it. Like, if I could get 90, if I could force myself to get 99 of the 100 laws right, that sounds like a really good grade. But under this system, the one wrong answer means I got them all wrong. And that is oppressive. But Jesus came to set the captives and the prisoners free. And Jesus came as the son of man. And he says, I will take the responsibility that you've been carrying and I will put it on my shoulders because my father commanded me to. And I will surrender to his commands and I will do what he's told me to do so that you can live in freedom. Because if I make you free, you're free in every way you can be free. You are at liberty. You don't have to provide. You don't have to work. You don't have to toil. All you have to do is to obey my commands, abide in my words, and then you will eat the good of the land. Jesus even said it in his Sermon on the Mount. He's like, how many of you by worrying can add one day to your life? There's been a lot of worrying going on. Have we added any days to our life? How many by worrying can add, man, I wish I was 6'4". I would have been playing Major League Baseball 20 years in the league, man. I can't add inches to my stature. I can't, man, I would love to have beautiful, cool hair. I've never in my life had cool hair, ever. Not one day of my life did I have cool hair. I had the stupid 80s feather hair And then I started losing all my hair. And I was like, man, I would love to just have cool hair. I would love one day to be able to do that with my hair. (laughs) Just once. I know you're laughing. It's gross. (laughs) I would love to have a man bun for one day or be able to. (laughs) I've never been. And all the worrying, I couldn't add any hair to my head. I couldn't make it happen. Yet we think we can create from ourselves any good thing in our life. And here Jesus is, he's saying, if I set you free, you'll experience real freedom. And I feel for a long time, I, mean, I think I even used these exact words two months ago or so, that we've been circling freedom. Like we're honing in on it. Like we know it's there, like real freedom. I'm talking real liberty. Like... The liberty to not perform. 
The liberty to praise other people and not be jealous. The liberty to let other people rise up and not be insecure about it. (sighs) The liberty to be wrong and it'd be okay. Oh, well, I was wrong. You live and learn. I'll do better next time. The liberty to not know. The liberty to not try to create an answer from within. Ooh, I hate it when people ask me questions and I'm like, I'm trying to find the answer from in here. And there's no, there's no well to come from, you know, to get that answer. Oh, what a freeing thing to know. I can just say, I really don't know. That's a great, that's such a good question. I don't even know. I can get back to you. But I don't know. Oh, it's a great, the Lord is telling us freedom is available. Stop circling it. Take hold of it. Like, well, how? Well, I think the answer to everything we've talked about lately is surrender. Like, surrender. Like, I have no resources in me to make anything better. As a matter of fact, I'm really good at making it worse. (laughs) I have one talent. You give me something, I can ruin it. Only in Christ does that change. So there's a story that's in Genesis 16, and it carries over all through to chapter 21 of Genesis. And then Paul retells the story in Galatians 4 about Abraham and Sarah and Hagar and how there was a child of the promise that was to be Isaac and there was a child of the flesh of their own resources that was Ishmael. You know the story, right? Abraham and Sarah are really old. They can't have kids and God gives them a mean promise. Don't you love this? All, all through the Bible, it's almost like God gives people a promise, and if we didn't know better, we'd be like, that was a really mean thing to promise that person. Why would you do that, God? The dude's 90 years old now. She's barren. She can't even have kids. That time is past. Oh, that's okay. Were you going to have a child? What a mean, mean thing to do. And yet, the Bible is full of God doing things that seem, why would you tempt me with hope? There's a verse that just comes to mind. We prisoners of hope. Because God can do anything, man. And the moment we limit him, We fall into the same sin that Israel fell into. What was their sin? It says they limited the Holy One of Israel. They limited him. They said, well, there are options, and these are out of bounds for God. No, there's nothing out of bounds for God. So God makes this promise to them. You're going to have a child, and time goes by, and nothing happens. So Sarah says, here, you're going to take my servant, Hagar, 
And you're like, well, what a, what a weird thing to do. No, actually, it was very common. That's, that's the way it was then. If, if, the, if the wife was unable to, bring, to bear a child, then they would often have one of their, their servants would bear a child so that the name of the, of the husband could be passed on because it cared for a lot of people were under his umbrella. It cared for a lot of people. I know it's a re- weird time, strange. I'm so, I like our system now way better, right? <laughs> so much better. But in that time, that's the way it was common. So it wasn't like she, she came up with a really evil plan. She actually did what was common sense for the time. Now, that's the sneaky thing about when we subvert God's plan versus ours. We often will use things that are common or socially acceptable or the practice of the times to say, hey, God, we'll help you out here. This is how we make things happen. Like, we're here, you're there. This is what we do when, when this isn't happening. And that's what they do. And so Abraham has a child with Hagar. His name is Ishmael. And this goes on for time. I mean, it, it's his son. You think Abraham loved Ishmael? Absolutely. It was his only son. And Sarah grew jealous, but more, more jealous by the day. And it was all created because, oh, we've got resources that we can tap into. We can make this, we can help you, God. We can make this happen. And Galatians tells the story, and, and Genesis does as well. And it angered God. Because they tried to make Ishmael the son of promise. And God says, no, the son of the servant will not be the son of the promise. That's not my plan. That was your resources. You don't have the resources to make this happen. Only I do. Now, I'm telling you, Sarah, you are going to have a child from your womb. Stop using your resources. And guess what happens? They have a child, a promise. And God says, I'm going to bless Ishmael. But I'm not going to bless him with the, the blessing that goes for the child of the promise. And this created tension in the family. I can only imagine. Can you imagine the soap operas of the time? This week on Sarah and Hagar. <laughs> they would, I mean, it, it, had to be, it had to be really tough for 10, 12, 14 years, however long she lived with Ishmael growing up as his only, you know, only son of his father. And then when Isaac comes along, Abraham has been developing a relationship with his son all this time, and you've got this new son of the promise. And so God says, send the servant woman away because it was not of the promise. Isaac is the son of the promise. Now, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but Paul uses this story to tie it to us as believers and it's time for us to send away the things that we've created from our own resources. Send them away. Don't have affection for them. Don't hold them close with love. Send them away. It's actually death to us. Only hold on to and cleave to the Isaacs that God gives us. So it's so good. And in 
Galatians 4, it goes on down, and he says, what does the scripture say? Send away the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be the heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, of the old. We're children of the, the new. We're children of the free. We're children of the new covenant. He's drawing a picture of the covenants, and he's saying, you're now, a, you're a son or a daughter of a new covenant, and then it goes into chapter 5, verse 1, and it says, it was for freedom. It was for liberty. Remember liberty? To release from mortal liability, to release from responsibility, especially the law, to release from embarrassment, shame, or disadvantage. It was for liberty that Christ set us free. So don't be entangled again with any yoke of bondage. You know what the, the most comfortable and familiar yoke of bondage we allow? Our own resources. I got this. Man. Sometimes we have a different agenda than God. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Sometimes we seek huh, that which allows us to trust him less rather than that which allows us to trust him more. It's not liberty. Ishmael was the fruit of the flesh. He came into being as an attempt by Abraham and Sarah to remove their need for God. Do we have any Ishmaels in our life? Like this thing is here to insulate me from my real knowing that I need God. How much money is it? How much money do I need in my savings account to insulate me from knowing I need God? How healthy do I need to be to be like, I got this. I don't need so much of God's healing right now. I'm good. How many relationships and friendships and, and being part of a family do we need to feel like we're not lonely and need God? How many good things do we need to surround us to where we're like, this is good enough? I, I guess this is all Jesus paid for. Everything I have right now, Jesus paid a heavy price just for this. I'll, I'm good with it. That's not how this works. He came to give us everything, all of it not withholding anything from us. So why do we settle for par partial freedom when Jesus paid for our full freedom? Why do we accept traditions and religions when Jesus, when he died, tore the veil from top to bottom? Come on. It is for freedom that we've been set free. Amen? Amen? Romans 8 says, there is therefore no condemnation. And I love that you can say those words and people know how to finish it. There is therefore no condemnation. We know it. Like no condemnation. That's like easy. That's like setting it up on a T, right? There is therefore no condemnation. For who? Those who are in Christ. Those who know their, all their resources come from Christ, not from us. So in that place, there's no condemnation. 
Oh, come on. For those who do not walk according to the flesh, according to the what I can create on my own, according to my own resources, but those who walk according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has what? It set me free from the old law of sin and death for what the law could not do because it was weakened by the flesh. God did. Come on. Everyone say, God did it. By sending his son, Jesus, come on, his own son, to take on sinfulness in his own flesh and to give the account for the sin, he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in him who does not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. How do I know that I'm trusting in my own resources and my own flesh? I worry. Because my mind is on what I have. My mind is on what can I do to fix this. So I worry and I worry and I worry and I contemplate and I plan and I think and I even manipulate. I will do whatever it takes to make this work. That is is me having my mind on the flesh. But when we have our mind set on the spirit, we don't think about those things. We don't think about what can I create? What can I do? We, because we have our mind set on the things of the spirit, we live according to the spirit. We think about the things of the spirit. What commandments do you have for me today, God? For to be carnally minded is death. Oh, how sad is it that we can work really hard on a solution, make it all pretty, yet all of our fingerprints causes death. We can toil for years on this project. Man, I'm so close to making this thing happen in my life. My fingerprints are all over it, and that invites the death that causes it to decay. But to be spiritually minded... Who wants to be spiritually minded? Oh, man, Jen Johnson used to tag a thing on a song that says, I want to be heaven-minded. I want to be thinking about heaven. I want to think from the the perspective of the spirit instead of the flesh. If we're heaven-minded, if we're spiritually minded, then we have life and peace. Because the carnal mind, we may think we're partnering with God, but the carnal mind is actually an enemy to God. It is actually at enmity, it says, against God. For it is not subject to the law of God and it cannot be. But there's a new law. It's the law of the spirit, amen? He wants us to be free, to rely on him, to do nothing apart from him, Even Jesus himself, come on, this is the key to Jesus being Jesus. I only do what I see the Father do. I only say what I hear the Father say. I just do what he tells me. I don't have anything of my own. Jesus said it over and over again. I do nothing of my own resources. He was the son of God. And he said, I do nothing of my own resources. 
but I only do one thing, and that's whatever he tells me to do, and that's so that I can bring glory to him and that I can please him. Free for all of our goodness to come from God. Free for all of our weakness to be made perfect in his strength. I like that one. I love the thought of all my goodness coming from God. That's wonderful. But man, I really like the fact that he makes room for my weakness too. That I can hide in him and he takes my weakness and converts it into strength. And converts it into humility. Come on. Free to only live with his agenda. Who wants to be liberated? Come on, why don't you stand? We're going to respond. So if you want liberty today, I'm, I'm the first one here. I'm up front. The first one here. If you want liberty, you want to be released from the flesh, from our own resources, come on down to the front. You want to be released from, what's, how does it say it? From mortal liability. <laughs> Jesus, come on, set us free. If the sun sets us free, we will be free indeed. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, come on, just ask him. It's a free gift. Say, Jesus set me free. I I say it like, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. We're sinners, we're weak. We try, we we fail, we jump into our own resources. God, break that reaction in us, break that reflex in us to lean on our own understanding. Help us in all of our ways to acknowledge you, that you may direct our paths. God, I ask that your freedom would come now, complete freedom. Yeah, liberty, a perfect law that gives liberty, come on. Jesus, you paid a heavy price for my freedom. I will not live in chains when you set me free. I will not limit you and I will not limit what you can do in my life because you paid a heavy price to remove all limits. I will not disqualify myself when you qualified me. Come on. I will not place my grubby little hands on my life when you said, here, put it in my hands. (laughs) You are the resurrection and the life. (laughs) Why don't you tell them that, Jesus, you're the resurrection, you're the life, and I no longer live. Christ lives in me. Come on, say, Christ lives in me. I am free. Yes, and the life I live is unto you. It's unto you, Jesus. All things are from you. All things are to you. We sing about it. You're the source of all life. God, I pray that all all of us that have been circling freedom will land on it. That we'll live in it. That you'll begin to break down the walls we've built Hmm. 
the reliances that we've put in our lives, the things that we've, we've added to our life that we rely on, the strongholds that we've built, we tear them down right now in Jesus' name. You said that we, you've given us the power to pull down strongholds. And we have strongholds that we've built up, things that we've trusted in instead of you, things that we've relied upon instead of you. And we tear those things down right now in Jesus' name. We rebuke the lies that we've believed. We rebuke the father of lies who's lied to us and we've lied to ourselves. We have no resources in ourselves. Nothing comes from us. It only comes from you. We break agreement with the liar. Would you say that? I break agreement with the liar. We rebuke the liar. We cast away his lies right now. We throw his lies away. They have not served us well. They have no purpose. They have no life in them. We rebuke the lies. Surrenders the way. Surrenders the way. Fighting is not the way. Striving is not the way. Surrender is the way. The lie of fighting, we throw it away. The lie of striving, we throw it away. The lie of working hard, the lie of toiling, we cast it away right now. We choose surrender. We choose willingness. I've been praying this all week. I'm going to ask you to pray it with me. It's David's prayer from Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit. And what he really says is renew a willing spirit. Come on. Do not take your presence from me. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and grant me a willing spirit. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. We will know the truth. The truth, we change the lie. We exchange the truth for the lie. And we will know the truth and the truth has made us free. is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty why don't you pray over your neighbor say that prayer over your neighbor the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty come on lay hands on someone where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty in Jesus name there is liberty in Jesus name liberty freedom. Like, oh, I got all this freedom. What do I do? Well, the Bible tells us, use your freedom to love well. Would y'all say that we, we use our freedom to love well? 
<laughs> I've had some great conversations this week about that topic right there. I'm a very opinionated person. I, one of my strengths is belief. I believe something and I grab onto it like a bulldog and you're not going to shake me off of it. I will, I will fight to protect that belief. And that is who God made me. But at the same time, it can hinder my love and my compassion for people. So we have many conversations this week through some tough things. You know, I got news Monday that one of my uh, old soccer players, 16-year-old boy, ended his life on Friday. One of the best kids I ever coached, just a good kid. And my, my first reaction was just me and my coach, Coach Muhammad. How cool is this? God puts a Muslim and a Christian together, and we're crying for 20 minutes on the phone together, saying, what could we have done more? Could we have had one more conversation? What do we do? How do we meet? There's evil in the world. We got to try this evil. Like, we're just having this conversation. And through that, we were talking with someone else, and like, what a selfish thing to do. I was like, it's, that's right. That's the right belief. But we don't, we don't, as ministers, we don't get to go there and use our beliefs first. We're supposed to have compassion first. So when I hear that someone does something like that, yeah, it is a very selfish thing because it leaves a wake of just disaster and breaks people's hearts. Like, what could I have done? And people live in pain. So yes, it is selfish. You could make that argument. But what pain was, was Brandon living in that he felt like this has got to end. And it doesn't matter if the pain is real or perceived or if it's a mental illness or what, it doesn't, none of that matters. There are people right now around us that just need us to love them well. And so if I've been set free, what better thing to do with my freedom than to choose to just love people well, to just turn my love on and love people well. Yeah, I hold my beliefs and they will guard the way I live my life. They will, they will help me to be a man of integrity. But my beliefs don't have control of my compassion. My freedom doesn't make me free to create more restrictions for myself. It sets me free to actually love people. And I want us to pray because all of us, we have people all around us that are hurting. We don't even know it. We don't even know the pain that they're in. And maybe it's beliefs, maybe it's they're a different political party or they're this or that or different religions so we don't talk because we don't believe the same thing that's turned our compassion off. I want us to turn it on today. So Jesus, we thank you for setting us free. And we know that we're not to use our liberty to just go back and sin and to just do whatever we want to do. But you said, use your liberty to love and to serve people well. So God, I ask today that you would stir up compassion inside of us, that we will learn, that we will lay aside our beliefs and our arguments and love people well, that we will use the freedom, oh, how free to just love people, to just love people and to give love away like it's candy, to give compassion away like it's candy. Come on, God, do that in us. Make us people of love and compassion. Because we're free, help us to love well. Because we're free, help us to be people of compassion. So you have homework. 
find someone this week and ask them, look them in the eye, how, how are you? Are you okay? Are you all right? Are you okay? Because I care, like, okay? And I just want to love you. I just want to love on you, all right? I mean, we'll do that. You'll find somebody. And we told our teenagers, ask your friends. You never know what kids are going through these days. You never know the lies that they've believed. Come on, amen? Have me feel free. (sighs) Thank you, Jesus, for liberty. God, I bless everyone here with freedom and liberty (laughs) like we've never known before. (laughs) In Jesus' name.